0: Welcome to Parent-Driven Development. I'm Jess, and today I'm here with my friend Mandy.
1: Hi everybody, I'm Mandy Moore, and today I'm here with JC.
2: Hello, I'm back, at least today. And uh, I'm JC, and I'm here with my friend Chris.
3: Hey, I'm Chris Sexton, and uh, today we are talking about Fear-mongering and inducing panic and living in a world that has these things happen to us as parents all the time. So, to get things going, we were talking about, a little bit before the show, we were talking uh, about a couple of things. And I think specifically, there is some stuff that had happened in the not-too-distant past about kind of scary stories happening for, you know, kids that are online. You know, the examples that I saw were like YouTube, you know, Snapchat and that sort of thing. So has anybody here had any firsthand experience with their kids running into this sort of stuff?
0: So just to be clear, we're talking about Momo, right?
3: Well, we're, uh, there was Momo and then there was some other things around it, like an article that I'd read and in, uh, dropped into our Slack channel earlier about people splicing in suicide tips for children into videos on YouTube,
0: mm, Yes,
3: which very, very much along the lines
0: of Momo and uh, Filthy Frank uh, and all of that. This is one of those times when I'm really glad I have a four-year-old and he's not just free reign of YouTube yet. <laughs>
1: Yeah, actually. Okay. So you asked if we any had any firsthand experience. My daughter is 10, almost 10. And she actually had no idea about any of this until I brought it up to her. <laughs> she has free reign of YouTube. That's a whole different conversation. Judge me all you want. I said to her, I said, have you seen anything weird on YouTube lately? And she was like, no, why? And I was like, no reason, and she's like, "Well, I feel like there's a reason you just asked me that question." <laughs>
3: I'm not, not an idiot, mom. Yeah.
1: And and I was like, "Well, apparently there's this thing called Momo, and they talk about you hurting your parents or yourself." And I'm not really sure exactly, but it's all over the news and on Facebook. And yeah, if you see it, like, can you just not listen to that? <laughs> <laughs> and she she's like, okay, yeah. And then the next day, she got home from school. And she was like, guess what? In homeroom today, my teacher told us all about the Momo challenge. And then they were banned from talking about it for like the rest of ever, I guess, after the teachers all addressed it in homeroom, said, you know, you're not allowed to talk about it. And you're not allowed to like show people pictures or whatever. So I guess that was it. But like I said, I I brought it up to her.
0: (laughs) Wait, so is this like, don't look at a purple elephant?
1: Yeah. That's
0: (laughs) what it really feels like. Why would they do that?
1: Yeah, she had no idea about any of it until it was specifically brought up first by me and then by the school.
3: Uh, So if if the kids had no context, should we explain what Momo challenges are? Yeah.
1: That's all. Uh, go for it, Chris. Because I'm <laughs> still not sure exactly. I just know that it's bad, and the person that comes up when people post articles scares me.
3: Oh, that, yeah, that is a very, very creepy picture that I, I don't like to think about. Um, <laughs> so Momo was originally brought up like by a YouTuber who was apparently going out over like WhatsApp or Snapchat, I believe, and soliciting like challenges, like you need to do this, and and it was often bad things that would would hurt you and i think the example that i had read about was putting baking soda and vinegar in your mouth which makes it foam and go crazy if you've ever done the volcano experiment in middle school so they were like issuing these challenges and the kind of reporting was coming back is that oh these challenges are bad and they're they're telling kids to either hurt themselves or hurt other people they were called momo challenges and there is a whole different varieties. And I, have you know, when I did a little bit of research before we, we joined the call, uh, it was everything from the moment challenges like kill yourself or you'll have bad luck to, you know, do something to hurt somebody else or do something silly like, you know,
0: eat a Tide Pod. So that, that's basically my understanding of it. Yeah. And there's been like a whole series of either... Real things that people have been finding in especially like the sections of YouTube that are oriented towards kids and things like that, or imagined, and sort of like this inducement of almost like a panic into a lot of parents, uh, which is, I think, really what we wanted to get into. It's like, are these things happening? How much responsibility and control do content distributors like YouTube have in that? And um, what can we do about it? Right. And to, and
3: to be fair, like when people have called attention to it, YouTube often chimes in and says we don't have any evidence of mobile challenges being presented and soliciting kids to do bad things. <laughs> but they, they, they don't, they're they not seeing it, or at least that's what they're
0: saying. I think I've heard of people actually finding it, but I haven't found it myself, so I can't really say for sure.
3: Well, and I, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are kind of copycats out there, because this would be an easy thing to make up your own and put it out there and see if you can get a bunch of uh, views out of it. Yeah. Maybe, but... You know, I think in general, it's to me, you know, when I'm talking to my kids about it, I'm like, this is a hoax. This is something that they're doing to scare a bunch of people.
0: Yeah.
1: Especially when they bring it up in the media. Like when we're sitting there, I always have the news on while I'm cooking dinner and the five o'clock news, you know, is bringing it up and it's like, well, yeah, if you're going to bring it up, everyone's going to panic and it's just like, stop.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, let's, what if we assume that it's at least possible to inject some sort of content into, you know, places where our kids go and that would be harmful to them? Like, how do we prepare? Because I'm like, I want my son to be able to, you know, have relatively unrestricted access to information. I mean, I think it's a really a huge advantage we have in having the internet today in being able to you know kind of learn and explore but also do it in a safe way it seems like a really tricky problem
1: is this like a hypnosis kind of thing like or is it just the power of
0: persuasion i mean i don't know i think that this specific idea is like a trying to use either peer pressure or like a cool factor against kids but i think even i'm I'm curious about even beyond specifically this stuff to say like what if someone put uh, something into uh, the kid's stream somehow, which, uh, I don't know, even brings uh, language that I don't appreciate or uh, just ideas that I think are too advanced for him or or just tries to scare him in a, in a direct way. It, it just seems like I don't, I don't feel like I have a whole lot of control other than to like lock down or to engage some sort of filter that maybe I have to trust people like YouTube to have put in or not. It just I don't know. It seems like a big parenting challenge that I don't really understand.
3: Well, it's there's two options, right? There's either prevent them from consuming any of this media, or have them consume it and and deal with it. So, <laughs> I don't think either one of those are good options. And you know, as technologists, we all know that we can't really lock them down. Even if we tried everything, like something could get through. And especially as they get older. And then the flip side is they get exposed to this, and they're going to have to deal with it. And we probably don't want them to deal with it, especially early on. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, on the flip side of that, though, is like, I think for us, what's worked is education, right? Educate our kids and have them already know what they should do when something comes up as unpleasant as it may be.
0: Well, like, what or do you the, say?
2: These kind of things. Um, well, and that, not specifically this one. And, and my youngest is nine years old now, right? And going on 19. So, uh, it's a little <laughs> different, but she would be the one that's probably more on YouTube watching slime videos, you know, how to make slime or, that kind of stuff and so you never know what they're gonna come across because you can't block certain channels on YouTube you can either block all of YouTube or none of it. So for her like I didn't bring up specifically Momo and stuff, but I just kind of check in when she's doing YouTube and stuff and like, hey, how's it going? you know what are you what are you watching and that kind of stuff you know that if something weird comes up or whatever then you're supposed to tell us and just so we you know make sure you're safe and that just make it so like hey, you're not gonna be in trouble. Because it's not your fault if something weird comes up, but we want to do it, we want to know so that we can address it and make sure that you're safe and that you know nothing's weird is going on. That's kind of how we approach it, and you hope that the kids trust you enough to let you know when something does happen, right?
1: That's my approach with my daughter. Is I'm just uh, honest with her, and I'm like, there are bad people out there. Like, yeah. let me let me be blunt. There are shitty people out there, and they're gonna do some shitty things, and you might see something. That you're like, this isn't right. So just tell me or turn it off. And she's not the kind of kid that gets scared. She She's more empathetic towards other kids. She's like, well, what if, like, you know, one of my friends sees that and they get scared and they do it. And she's, like, more worried about other people and not herself. Because she's like, well, I wouldn't do that. And I'm like, okay, good job but she's like, she's worried about her friends and what to tell her friends and, and that kind of thing. Cause like, I guess some of her friends kind of go to her for like advice or I don't know, look up to her or whatever. But I tell her, you know, there's going to be bad stuff out there and you're going to see some weird things. And if it feels weird or icky, turn it off.
3: Yeah. I think that the approach that, we've had has been very similar and that it's just a um, education communication thing.
2: Mm-hmm. And what,
3: what we tried to do very purposefully was uh, talk about, uh, you know, all of the awkward topics like frequently, just because the more you do it, the better we get at it. And the more you do it, like, you know, there's lots of eye rolling and not again type reaction, but just to have it always there and constantly remind them, uh, you know, from everything.
2: Um, well, it makes um, it comfortable for them to then it, it's no longer like a weird thing after a while. Right. And they're willing to talk to you about it. Absolutely. And I've had friends that,
3: you know, i, I watched them raise their daughter and they constantly did the same thing and, and in front of other people. And, you know, and all of this sorts of things of, you know, be careful, watch what you see, like watch how people treat you, pay attention <laughs> and just constantly bringing those things up, it like gets them acclimated to dealing with it in a way that I feel like helps out. You know, when we read these articles, we sat down like, "Hey, have you seen any of this stuff?" And they were used to us coming and, and asking those questions, and they're like, "Oh, uh,
0: yeah, no." <laughs> you know, to some extent. So, my personal take, and, and you know, coming from a place where I feel like I have a lot of privilege and ability to like distract my son in other ways, and I, maybe that's part of it. But like, I feel like people who are scared of their children seeing things like this on the internet are kind of abdicating their responsibility to some extent to teach their kids. But I'm sure there's a lot of things that get into people's lives and, and make it challenging to have these kind of conversations, I guess. But it's hard for me to say for sure.
3: So I come from a background where I my access to, to things like television shows and movies and whatnot that I watched was very limited. And I also went, you know, a lot of the school friends that I had were also extremely limited in those very sheltered households. And my takeaway from being raised in that situation was that when finally set free in the world would, you know, most people were just going crazy because they had no, they had no context. They had no idea. They didn't know what was out there because they'd been sheltered the whole time. And so I like vowed that I wasn't going to do
0: that. Yeah. It's funny. So my uh, media intake was regulated, but not nearly as limited as like, I grew up with this neighbor down the street who had a much more tightly controlled media intake. And I noticed that once he left the house, he... Just like binged constantly. Whereas I think I'd, I'd been given sufficient freedom to develop good habits around it. So I, I like that line of thought too.
2: Yeah. At some point, you need to let the kids govern themselves in some aspects of things, right? So it's a gradual process, I think. But if it's consistent and they're growing into it, then it's easier as they get older. Yeah. My teenagers, for example, we don't really monitor a lot, mostly just like, hey, make sure you go to bed by this time because you know you have to be at school at a certain time or you have to do this. just Reminding them of the regular stuff, like study and shower. <laughs> I don't want to deal with you in the morning if you're exhausted. <laughs> Use deodorant, that kind of stuff. But no, as far as the media intake, they might be downstairs watching a movie or playing a new video game that they got, and then they'll get through it, and they're done. And move on. So, yeah. if you're not blocking or filtering anything, are you checking? What's we, seen? So, so, for our... Yeah, so, we have, you know, our kids, yeah. we have a family iPad, really. The kids have iPads from school, but those are pretty locked down. And my my internet at home, we use I think OpenDNS. I can't even remember. It's just been set set up forever now. Uh, so that's filters, you know, a lot of stuff, K through twelve style filtering. I think is what it does. Uh, but we still monitor, and and we they know that we'll monitor. And we can spot check anything we want. That's kind of the deal. If they want to have their own devices, and we you know can look at histories and stuff like that. So they're they know that we're watching, um, even though we're not really. I don't think they feel it's intrusive because it's not really. We don't do it that much, but we, we can if we think something is not right. And that's when we exercise that option to be able to review things. Um, so it's it's worked out so far, I think.
3: Yeah, we have a similar policy of like, hey, we're going to like, you know, we, get, we got your phone and we're going to read text messages and, you know, see what you watched on YouTube. It's not very often, but we definitely go through and we let them know we're doing it. Like, we're not trying to hide it or be right. sneaky and it's, right, right. You're you explain why. Like, like, hey, we're doing this because we're worried that somebody might be bullying you or, you know, be feeding you bad information and that will hurt you.
2: <laughs> right. And I and think if they understand a- it's for their own good, um, that you really just have their best interests in mind, then it makes the communication lines more f- open and free, right, between the, the kid and you. And I think that helps with this whole, like, scaremongering safety issues and whatever that people come across. I think it just kind of mitigates that somewhat.
0: Yeah. Well, how much do you think that we, the four of us, are are comfortable with this more because we understand the Internet versus like so, – so Josh puts normally on the panel, sadly was not feeling well and could not make it, but did some really great research into this. And he was equating this to some extent with not just previous like Internet – Legends like Slenderman and stuff, but also generally moral panics at large. Like, for example, the the Paul is Dead Beatles song, or D and D Dungeons and Dragons in like the eighties and nineties. Like, you're you're introducing Satanism and stuff like this. And, and Josh was arguing that. This is uh, maybe in a line of thought that uh, when parents don't understand a medium or a system or something, then it's much easier to introduce these kinds of moral panics and fear uh, brigades. And so I'm wondering, like, for my friends, and to be fair, I don't have many, I don't know very many people who don't really understand the internet, but I know plenty of people I work with who don't. And I don't know, maybe they are more easily frightened by an abuse of uh, even a potential abuse of YouTube because they don't understand what they could even possibly do about it. And maybe it feels like YouTube is invading their lives without any kind of control. I don't know.
3: So I think that's, this is very relevant to the example where there was a reporter for the Washington Post written up this thing about how suicide tips for kids are getting injected into YouTube videos. And knowing how YouTube works, I'm like, that's not possible. Like, I can't go and inject a clip into somebody else's video. And I went back, and, and my wife brought it to me, who who isn't a software developer, but just fairly, you know, she's very technically savvy and gets this stuff, but she's like, wait, is this possible? Because if this is possible, it's terrifying. And I went and looked around, and, you know, what they said is that, you know, all these things were injected into YouTube, so not somebody's channel, not an existing video, not something else. It was injected onto YouTube. I was like, oh, well, yeah, sure, anybody can <laughs> upload to anybody there. Anybody can upload anything, yeah right i'm like but you know for my son he's watching things on channels for people that he likes and unless they add the clip like like you can't you can't like shim it in but that's a great example of like well how does it really work and like what are the little differences (laughs) like because youtube is a big broad topic
0: (laughs) yeah that makes sense i think that's also like so i was at uh, lesbians attack recently and kara swisher was interviewing uh the head of youtube and Uh, They were, they were talking a bit about like what YouTube could do to, um, to improve their like filtering and enforcement policies. And uh, I forget her name, the head of YouTube, but she was, I think, very frustrated because, uh, it it just seems like to some extent, yes, YouTube can, can and probably should do more, but also like, this is a big technical challenge, a huge cost. And also in some, to some extent it feels like driven by a lack of understanding of what the platform is and its capabilities. It's, it's always really challenging, I think, trying to explain or, or to build that kind of just general understanding uh, that we get from being technical people uh, in the rest of the world. I don't have a place to take that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really hard for me to explain non-technical things to my non-technical friends. Because as soon as I mean, my best friend heard about it, she's like, well, no more Peppa Pig for my daughter. And I'm like, Julia, it's okay.
3: So one thing that um, I had definitely thought through, especially when I was talking about stuff with my wife, and she was like, this is scary, is a lot of it it, uh, comes down to, like, should you be safe or not? And I can understand how people, especially if they don't have a good understanding of, like, why you shouldn't be concerned Like, why they would default to the, oh no, this is so bad. We need, we need to stop and stop this to protect the children. Because, you know, if the alternative, like, if you happen to be wrong is kids getting hurt, like, that, that's a high stake, high risk thing. Although there's 100% my default reaction is like, no, it's, it's a hoax. It's fine. Don't, don't buy into this. (laughs) But what if I'm wrong? Uh, and now I'm, I'm in this situation of like, Uh, that what if and risk analysis and all of that so i'm not quite sure how to explain or maybe justify my
2: laissez-faire like reaction to like oh it's gonna be bad well i have have to be honest i have the same reaction as you do where it's like oh it's a hoax there's no way they can do that or you know people are blowing it out of proportion because they need something to report on or to make somebody has to be the boogeyman right but at the same time i think but going back to my rationalization is well, if I'm telling my kids, hey, make sure you let me know whenever something is not right or you don't feel right about it or whatever, or you see something that seems weird, just let me know. And then also re- remind them of what the rules are. You can't give out your personal information. You can't do this. You can't do that. Right? You uh, online on the Xbox, for example, you can only play with your friends from school and people that you know personally. Is who you can play with in your group of friends. It's that kind of stuff. So I think it goes back to trusting that you've. Prepared them for when something does happen, or is real that that you'll be able to then address it at that point before it becomes a problem.
0: Yeah, but it's so it's so terrifying because you know, like we want to take care of our kids and and help them. This is definitely in the vein of like, what if? But what if?
2: Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I have four kids, so after a while, you kind of get used to and realize how resilient they are. I think with the first one, you're very overprotective, and then as you get more kids, you realize how tough they really are and how much they can. Tolerate, right? And so, and I think for us with our fourth child, being our one daughter too, is just kind of like she's smart. She knows what's right and wrong. She knows when she needs to talk to us about something or whatever. My other three boys are basically all teenagers now. So, or we have, I have a, also have an adult now. So we don't worry about them as much just because we can talk to them almost like adults. And those conversations are a little, can be more mature and, and can be a little, you know, more specific and and all that, and it's not a big deal to them to talk about. Like, I could ask, a, you know, my sixteen year old, hey, what do you know about Momo? And he's like, what? What is that? Oh, that's dumb. Um, that kind of stuff, right? Uh, so with with my nine year old, I would think it's it's really comes down to I think that the kid, and I think back the things that I survived as a kid, right? And I'm like, eh, we're a little tougher than we think. We should probably give our kids credit too. But at the same time, like you said, we do want to protect them and always do what's best for them. So. I think just for us, like I said before, what's worked is having those parameters set, those lines of communication, and hopefully the trust there that we can have that conversation when when it needs to be had. And be having conversations akin to what that might be, you know, leading up to that in case something does happen. That's not a weird thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it kind of feels to me like the same thing as uh – when it's okay to be outside by yourself, like you have to teach kids about you know traffic and crossing the street and, and cars and strangers. Mm-hmm. And, and like, there's, there's rules that we know how to teach in that way. And I feel like it would be nice if, uh, if we could talk about some maybe rules that we can teach people about, uh, watching videos online or something. I don't know.
2: Yeah. And I, I honestly feel more comfortable with what the kids watching videos online than with them being outside on their own when they're little. Right. Absolutely. Because uh, you, you feel like you have more control, you know where they are physically, and you can always review or, or monitor what they're doing, whereas if they're outside, especially, like, we have a big backyard, we have a okay front yard, when when they're little, we always like, go play in the backyard, and you can go play with your friends next door but in their backyard, and they're both huge, and you can just be out there, and you feel more comfortable, because they're in a fenced area, protected, right, within, within some boundaries, when they're, when they're out front, they can just wander off, you never know, with these kids kids these days. So, <laughs> yeah, it comes back to setting those boundaries and, and, and then, you know, helping them navigate those and, and be able to make those decisions.
3: Well, I think the outside's a, a great a great analogy there with, um, yeah. you know, we live in a suburban area, but there's our neighborhood is next to a fairly, you know, big divided road. And in order to get to the very lovely park that's an easy walk, you have to cross this road. And I'm it terrifies that me. Road i've been to that road right
2: and um, (laughs) i've been to that road
3: and they they know like they know what to do they're scared of car. they're very cautious every time i've been there like you know often they're like dad you're too close to the curb like back up like what are you doing you idiot and um so i know they're paying attention and i know that they'll be fine like but something always you know it's always like what but what if and then i'm like oh that's the exact same mindset that folks have with media and other things like that i'm like but what if and yeah uh, at some point, I just have to ignore it and let them go to the park because they have to. <laughs> like They have to learn to do that.
1: Yeah, I'm the parent that lives by you-can't-be-the-what-if parent. Yes, there are horrible things that happen every day. Yes, children get abducted. I let Maisie go out and play, and I tell her, you know, be back at a certain time or check in with me. If she starts to get, you know, 10 or 15 minutes late, I'm not going to lie. I start to get a little bit worried But, but then, you know, she eventually comes through the door, but I'm like, you know, something could happen. But for me, I just, I can't live by the what if and have her stay at home her whole life. I don't know. I guess that's just me being the free range parent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, but like, so, I mean, my son is is too young for this, but with your kids, since you all have kids who are much older than mine, like have you said like you can watch this channel and not that channel, or this kind of video and not that kind of video, or, or like what are the things? What are the boundaries I you I Think set it's a type
2: of content, right? That is, when it's movies, it's easy because they're rated, and you can say like, "Hey, can I watch this movie?" Well, are you thirteen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> no, no, I I don't have boundaries do with Maisie. I yeah,
2: but we do we do that yeah. way.
1: Yeah, for YouTube, it's often kind of
3: channel based, and we'll we'll be listening and overhearing something and fairly frequently. We'll be like, this sounds really harsh. (laughs) And it's often the way people are interacting and talking and things like that. And we're like, we don't like this one. Can you go to, you know, go, go watch something else. And you know, it's to the point where every single time we bring that up, it's like, Oh, okay. And then then happily moves on to the, to the next thing.
1: Often I'll hear her like, you know, like in the world, it's like in Roblox or Minecraft. Some kids are more bullying than others. She has a tendency to try to stick up for the person who's being bullied. And I'm like, you know, that's sweet. That's nice. But you getting into an intermittent argument, it's not doing anything. It's not worthwhile. Why don't you take the person who's being bullied, go to another world or realm or whatever and start just just leave. Just don't say anything. Just leave.
0: Wait, you're saying I shouldn't try to fix all the arguments on the internet?
1: Yeah, yeah. Pr- pretty <laughs> much. I mean, it's impossible. It's impossible for us to do it. So, you know, having a kid, like, yes, it, it's so endearing to me that she wants to stick up for, you know, the, the people who are getting bullied. But I'm like, honey, it's not going to work. These people are going to be trolls. They're always going to be trolls. Invite the person that you're with to go somewhere else and continue about your day.
2: Yeah. And and you know, the, the worrying never ends. I don't think it ever stops. Um, you, you mentioned this, you know, when she's a few minutes late, you start worrying, et cetera. I'm like, it doesn't stop. Um, I think I shared with, uh, our, our panelists here a few weeks ago when my kids were, had been gone an hour after a basketball game that we all headed home at the same time and said, we're just going to drop by target for a little bit. And I hadn't heard from them. So I texted them to see, Hey, what's going on? Where are you guys? It's been, an hour right and uh they sent us a picture of them wearing some green outfits that they had found at target you know because they were there for uh st patrick's day i I was worried and so that my my reaction was hey i'm gonna text them see if they respond they respond then they're fine and but yeah you never stop worrying as a parent and it was actually a hilarious response so that was funny
1: that was Um, funny uh, but those are,
2: that's my adult adult child. You know, he's 18 and a 16-year-old. But um, you still worry about them. Do, ha- do you have the
1: GPS? Like, Because uh, I know iPhone. So in the wintertime, Maisie's wearing a jacket. So I gave her an old iPhone. And we have the Fra- Find My Friends app turned on. So I can see exactly where she is in the neighborhood. Like, do any of you do that?
0: No, but I, I just watched the Black Mirror episode called Archangel. Which, without giving away spoilers, explores the limits of tracking what your child is doing, and it's really made me think a lot about like how much I really want to allow myself to know. I don't know. It's 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 a really tricky thing, which is why I think it made such a good episode. <laughs> I
2: don't I don't think we've ever used that. My I, my kids have iPhones, the uh, older two. My wife has an iPhone. Uh, the younger boy has an Android phone. I have an Android, but I don't think we ever used the Find My
3: Friends. Yeah, no, we family. use we use we use Find friends a lot and we use it for like logistical things very frequently of like someone's coming home from practice. Like, are they almost home or do I like, got a little while and coordinating it? And that is definitely something that will, we will use and have told the kids like, you need to like this needs nice to stay on, especially when you're out and about. That's, that's one of the main reasons we have your habit have on your phone. And yeah. And so if, if somebody's late, then that's, that's one of the first things we'll do is like, Hey, where are they? And you know, 95% of the time, it's up there on their way or, or at, their, at the gym or at someone's, someone's house. So, no, we, we use it. And with, you know, elementary, middle school age kids, it, it seems, you know, very convenient. I definitely do agree with you, Jess, on the, like how much is too much and there needs to be things where they really are unsupervised. Because I know, you know, growing up, as much as I was sheltered, kind of on the media side, I was totally free range on that. Just go outside and and wander off all day long and do whatever you want. And felt like that has contributed a lot to how I developed as a person. And having freedom to do these things was was a big deal. (laughs) Same. And the feeling of trust. Yes. No, absolutely. And I I don't want them to feel like we're, we're watching over them. The flip side is they also can monitor me. So it's, it at least is a, you know, multiple direction. Like, you oh know, man, I would draw the line right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll share, I'd share my location with you too, JC. It's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, d- I definitely don't, I don't, don't have that on Maisie's phone because I'm like, Oh my God, where is she at all seconds of time? I just have it on there that like, you know, if she was put into the back of somebody's trunk, I can say to the police, I have this app. Here's where they are kind of thing
3: so related to that and that's definitely something i've I've thought about is one day i went and picked up my my daughter from school and um she came out to me in tears and she's just like dad somebody stole my phone and i'd smile i said oh like oh like wait that's all you're crying about that's fine you know and to her it's the preteen girl it's like you know it was the comprised possession was her phone um this is a big deal and I was like, oh, no problem. I'm like, and I pulled up, you know, Fine Friends, and we looked up, we looked up where her phone was. Um, and we're able to go to this person's house and knock on the door and be like, hey, uh, my daughter's phone is here. And, you know, they called their kid out, and sure enough, it was in their backpack. So, you know, I have reaped the benefits of doing that. Um, or, or or more specifically, my daughter has had the benefits of, of us tracking the phone because we could go and find it when somebody, did, you know, at school
2: swiped it. I hope you played it up like a Sherlock Holmes thing. <laughs> 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 right, san diego style stuff i don't know you know that would have been uh, awesome well
3: she really likes psych so i should have done the like the psychic i see <laughs> my, my th- the, the phone is in here <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> so before we get to uh genius film moments for the week i was just thinking like okay so say our kids are on these on youtube or tiktok or whatever these kids do these days uh, and they do see something and they tell us okay what do we do
2: i think you can always flag like on youtube you can flag stuff you can report it because there's content that's not allowed to be on there so you can always do that start there so uh, um, related to that um, we had an
3: experience recently where uh, one of the kids that goes to my daughter's school reported i like, had made threats like to the school, so what we did was we just called the you know non-emergency police line, and apparently weren't the first people that had done it. But that was a total like, hey, this came up. This person's making threats. This is clearly not a, a cool thing. So I think it depends on on what it is. Like if it was something creepy on YouTube, yeah, I just hit the report button. But if it's a hey, I'm going to bring a gun to school tomorrow, then yeah, we just call the police
2: <laughs> and keep your kid home.
3: Actually, the school. The next day is, you know, like sent out a thing saying, yep, it's being taken care of. However, any absences today will be excused if you if you yeah. feel the need. So I, I yeah. was actually very happy with how they handled that in the end.
2: Um, we've had those in our high school a few times in the last couple of years and they've handled it really well, I think. So I think they they're prepared as far as communicating goes, as far as nothing happening ever, you know. Yeah. No, but no it's depressing that they're so good at handling this <laughs> mm-hmm. yes exactly yeah. yeah that was kind of my point i was like it's kind of sucks that they have to be so good at this <laughs> yeah
3: uh should we move on
0: to change fail moments let's do it so i guess i can start uh it's a small thing i think so i play music uh I played an open mic last night and uh I'll be practicing sometimes and uh, I usually keep my setup in the basement, you know, away from people Uh, and uh, my ex and I uh, split a complicated living arrangement. I think I may have talked about it before where we share the same house (laughs) and pass our son kind of back and forth, but try to keep our lives somewhat separate even though we're in the same space. So anyway, last night I was going to practice before my gig and I went downstairs and I heard my son be like, oh i want to play too (laughs) and we've started him on ukulele lessons and so my ex is like well how about you play your ukulele and he's like yeah i want to play my ukulele and so uh apparently i'm setting a good example in uh in playing music so i'm really excited about that (laughs)
2: congratulations every time i ask my kids if they want to learn how to play the guitar they're like no (laughs) (laughs) fail i go next I've had about, what, eight months of buildup for this. So I've got a lot of stuff to go over. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but this has been my oldest, you know, turned 18 back in September, his senior year, and uh, did all the sports stuff. Uh, play, they played football. He and my sophomore, they are on the football team. And then after that, they're varsity wrestler. So they wrestled. And that ended uh, two Saturdays ago uh, for my oldest. So he's done, done. And every time I think about it, I almost want to cry. Uh, cause it's been so fun, and you know it's kept us so busy. It's been such a big part of our lives for the last four years you know, during high school, every weekend that it's it has this finality to it. So uh, you know, genius moment would be that, hey, we were there at pretty much every single thing he ever did. And it's been awesome. And I took thousands of pictures and video and all kinds of stuff, and I have that. and, He may not appreciate it right now, but in about 10 years, he's really going to like looking back and and seeing that stuff. Also, uh, you know, kind of a word of caution and advice is like, enjoy it because it does come to an end. So for all you with kids, uh, just make the most of it while you can, because at some point there's not going to be something to do on the weekend for kids sports or something. Maybe grandkids in the future, right? But right now for your kids, it does come to an end and it's super tough uh, when you've been involved
0: with it. Yeah, it's really cool. It's beautiful.
2: Well, so I will
3: chime in with one uh, very similar vein. My son just started his first spring season for Little League. And um, he's played a couple other team sports. And this is the one that really seems to click with him the most, which is great. It doesn't seem to have the same attraction of the super gung-ho parents that are convinced their kids are going to go pro that some of the other sports have had. (laughs) So just looking for a team sport and activity that gets uh, gets him out outside and, and works on those like social team interaction type things. Um, it turns out that baseball seems to be the like the kind of sweet spot. He did the fall, which is supposed to be much more laid back, and so this is, we're getting into the the more intense one, but. By comparison with some of the other sports, it's fantastic. And all the coaches have been, you know, great and inclusive in making sure that everybody gets a chance and, and all of that. Which, when you, ha- when you have somebody who's not played both the sport or done anything, you know, their entire life, that's fantastic. And it's been a great opportunity for them. So, um, our, our big win recently has been Little League Baseball.
2: Awesome.
1: So, for me, my birthday was last week and happy birthday uh, oh thanks I turned 23 um, <laughs> me too me three <laughs> I, I'm a very sentimental person I always felt like happy on my birthday my mom and I always spent it together because like my mom gave birth to me so I kind of felt like it was a day for her and I to share together uh I think everyone knows I lost my mom pretty suddenly two and a half years ago now but at 9:41 p.m. she always used to call me at that exact time, the exact time I was born and sing me happy birthday. And uh last year I set an alarm on my phone for 9:41 just so it would the alarm would go off and I said a birthday like happy birthday, I love you, love mommy. It made me feel good or whatever. This year I forgot to do it, but all of a sudden at 9:41 Maisie started singing happy birthday to me. I burst into tears because A she remembered that and B she just did it and it was the sweetest most like I was blown away by her kindness and her remembrance uh, to just and that made me feel so special and I love her for it.
0: That is so amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I I was, I I couldn't, like, I, like, I burst into tears. She's like, I didn't want to make you cry. And I'm like, I love you so much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They're happy tears. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Bursting into tears here. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I was so happy. But yeah.
0: That's so cool.
1: Well, on that note.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Should I take us out?
1: Yes. Take us out.
0: Well, thanks so much for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you have questions that you'd like us to chat about on air, email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at parentdrivendev. And if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes. Thanks very much.